0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Time together. We are concluding the Gospel of John. I do that with a a measure of sadness because I I love the Gospel of John and to finish anything that is so close to you is always difficult. You just say goodbye for a little while. I'll be okay, but um, I love the Gospel of John. It's a Beautiful passage of scripture. Beautiful. This morning, I want to do something before I jump in, and that is I want to introduce to you Jack and Linda Gustafson. I know Jack and Linda are here somewhere, so if you don't mind standing up, there you are. Thank you. Jack and Linda have been uh, missionaries to Brazil for, for years and years and years. They're the founding pastors of this church. And what we want to do today is they're going to be headed out for a few months to Brazil, and we want the opportunity for you to meet them. But we want to pray for them before they go. As we try to do for those that are coming and going from this church, we want to do it today. So, Jack and Linda, thank you. Brett, are you going to anoint them with oil? If you're around them, you feel free to get, surround them, pray for them. Go ahead and do that. We want to cover them right now and just bless their time as they leave. Father, just thank you for Jack and Linda and their faithfulness, Lord, how they serve you, how they've served you here in this community, and how they've served you in Brazil. We just ask that you would give them those traveling mercies, Lord Jesus, that you would keep them and that the wisdom of your spirit would just be upon them, Lord. Anoint them with the power of your spirit as they speak, as they speak in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for those friendships they have there. They'll be reunited. Lord Jesus, thank you for the grace that you've extended here to us, giving us the gift of Jack and Linda. We ask your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's a lot of fun when you get to do this. I mean, really, this is the Great Commission and how we want to fulfill the Great Commission. I want to thank all of you for your faithfulness as well. <clears throat> Whatever it is you do to give your resources and your gifts to the community, to the body of Christ, uh, it does so much good. It is such a blessing. I love to see people come to faith in Jesus. Your gift helps that happen. Well, there's a story I love. It's dear to my heart, probably because I I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball, and maybe you've done this as well. Guys and girls, you've probably done this. When you were little, you would maybe go in the backyard. No one was around. I always tried to get a game going, but there were times you were just by yourself, but that was okay with me. I just had a ball and a bat, and I was fine and dandy. Well, there was a little boy who went in the backyard. No one was there to play with him. So he had his bat and his ball, and he shouted out to no one that was there, but he shouted it out. He said, I'm the greatest batter in the world. And he threw up the ball, and he took a swing, and he missed. And he said, strike one. And then he took the ball again. He says, I'm the greatest batter in the world, and threw the ball up again. And he swung, and he missed again. Strike two. And then he takes the ball again, and he puts some spit on his hands, gets in the dirt, Throws the ball up, takes a vicious swing. He missed again. Strike three, and then he raises his hands to the air. He goes, I am the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> That's the way you deal with failure, you know? That is, it is. In John chapter 21, we read about Jesus restoring Peter after he had three strikes. After he denied Jesus three times. And if you, you've ever failed, you know what that feels like. In John chapter 21, it's a gift to us because it shows us how we can deal with failure and how we look at the life of Peter who failed and then was restored and became victorious once again. And so all of us have experienced failure. We've all done that before. If you remember last week, we covered only one of the three principles that encourage us during a time of failure. In John 21 verses 15 through 19, the Bible shows us how we deal with failure those times that we just don't make it, those times that we fall short. And I want to read that to you. It says this, And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Then you feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would be glorified and how he, would be, how he would glorify God. And then he said to him, he said this, he said, follow me. Now, again, remember last week we covered only one of the principles, and that first principle means everything to us. It's love Jesus deeply. Because we know this, if we love Jesus deeply, our mind will follow. If we love Jesus deeply, our hands will follow. Our life will follow the love that we have for Jesus Christ. So that first principle is really a foundation for the next two of which we'll talk about this morning. What do we do then? We love Jesus with all of our hearts. So Jesus restores Peter privately. We know that he did that because in Luke chapter 24, in 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that after Jesus rose from the grave, after he rose from the dead, that he went to Peter first, that he sought out the broken. That he sought out the person that had denied him three times. He restores him. We don't know all that was said because it was a private conversation. So we get to this place in John 21. It's a barbecue. And Jesus brings in Peter and has this conversation. And now it's a semi-public conversation. Why? Because Peter not only needed to be restored to Jesus, but he needed to be restored to his fellow disciples. That Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter was going to be good in relationship with the disciples that he would lead. Now, what's wonderful about this is Jesus establishes a culture of restoration. You see, there's not a judgment here. There's not a condemnation here. What he's doing is he's establishing a culture of restoration absent of shame. Notice that. There's no shame in this conversation. Now, when I think of some conversations that I've had, I have to admit that there've probably have been measures of shame or or guilt or you're trying to manipulate in a conversation. Jesus does none of this. What he does is he sets forth for us this is what it looks like and this is the spirit that you bring about restoration. You do it with love and you don't shame people into doing what you want them to do. And what is it that concerns Jesus the most in this conversation? Again, we said this last week, love. Love is the thing that concerns Jesus the most. Peter, do you love me? Jesus wastes no time getting to the heart of the matter. Do you love me? Not, Peter, do you know me? <laughs> Not, Peter, is your theology all straightened out? Are you, are you good now? No, it is, do you love me? The issue for Jesus is always about your heart. And I think if we gain one thing from this passage of scripture always know that Jesus wants your heart above everything else. As we said earlier, once he has your heart, he has everything. And that's where he's going for. That's what he's always talking about. He's talking about the condition <clears throat> he's talking about the condition of our heart. Now Peter was honest here, and you know the conversation as we explained last week, when Jesus said, "Peter, do you love me?" Peter answered in a different way. Jesus said, Do you agapeo me? Do you love me by laying your life down? Peter's response was, Lord, I'm fond of you. (laughs) I like you. It's the Greek word phileo. And so he says, do you agapeo me? He says, Peter says, I phileo you. Lord, I, I, I like you. I'm fond of you. You're really a nice person. And so Peter's not all the way there yet. He's not the agapeo. He's just in a fondness. He's in that mode right now. But here's the deal. Peter was being honest about what was happening in his heart. And if you think about Peter's, I don't know, his consistency, his pattern, he was trying to always get around what was really happening. He was was not being honest with himself. When he said, Lord, they may leave you, everyone may deny you, I will not. Well, what does he do? He denies Jesus three times. So here we have this honest conversation Where Peter is responding to Jesus by saying, you know, I really like you. And then what happens is Jesus gives Peter a job. Now, this is outstanding to me. I mean, for a guy that's maybe 75% there in Agapeo, (laughs) Jesus says, I still have a job for you. I will always have a job for you. You know what you need to do? You need to feed my lambs. You need to feed my sheep. You need to lead my flock. That is going to be your responsibility. I would imagine this had to astound and even take Peter back because he's answering and he's saying, I I like you, and now you're giving me this great responsibility. I want to say this, whatever the condition of your heart is, just tell Jesus. Always be honest with what's in your heart. Tell him that. Because there's a place for you. There's always a place for you. And I think being honest about where we are is the best way that we can follow Jesus. Jesus entrusted to Peter what was most valuable and precious to him. And that was his flock. That was his people. That's still true today. You are his most valuable valuable possession. Doesn't the Bible say, and for the joy that was set before him, that's you, he endured the cross. That's what he did for all of us. That he knew you. He knew you by name. He knew every detail about your life. And he laid down his life for your life. This is what we gain from this. It says to us, he laid his life down. He sacrificed his life. He shed his blood so that we would have everlasting life. I never get tired of that. Whenever I read passages of scripture, I'm always aware of the fact that Jesus gave his life he gave his life for us. He says this to Peter, and then he says, now I want, you, I want you to do something for me. I want you to serve me. You know, one of the things when it comes to service that I find out about myself is I look for all the different flaws that I have, and I use those flaws to disqualify me from following or serving Jesus. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've said to yourself, I don't know if I'm ready yet, and you've been a believer for 25 years. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Listen, I want to tell you this, start where Jesus wants you to start. It doesn't ever have to be a big thing. You could always take a few steps in just serving Jesus. And from that, I think you're going to be amazed at the growth that will come to your own life. I know for me, that's, that's so true. Just starting out by taking those little steps and being obedient and serving Jesus Christ. The first time I really remember getting involved in serving Jesus in a formal way, I was 15 years old. And I was asked to lead our junior high group. I was junior high almost, you know, one year out of junior high. And they said, we want you to lead our junior high kids. And I thought of every reason why I shouldn't do it. Age was one of them. Um, I had too many faults. There was too much broken. But I got in. And I'll tell you what, I really grew. And it was so fun to watch others grow around me. You know, I probably grew more than those junior high kids did. But I, I, I know that what happens in my growth trajectory is serving Jesus is a huge part of that. He wants you to serve him. That's what he tells us to do. I love the fact that Peter does get to the fact of agapeoing Jesus. We know that happens down the line. We see it in his books. He writes two books and he tells us about the love that he had for Jesus. I love what 1 Peter 1.8 says. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, Peter got there. We get there. It's a journey in life. And so the first thing is we love Jesus deeply. And the second thing here is serve Jesus without compromise. That's what we see in Peter's life. And and this encourages us to restoration. Serve Jesus without compromise. You see that in verse 18. Listen to what it says. It says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and they will lead you where you do not want to go. Now, I think most of us know this. Wherever Jesus says, and whenever he does this, whenever he says, very truly I tell you, or verily, verily, maybe that's in the King James Version that you read, you want to take time and listen. Uh, I know we always want to listen to what Jesus has to say. But when Jesus says this, you know what he's asking you to do? (laughs) He's asking you to really lean in. He's asking you to really put your listening ears on. Because he has something to tell you you may have not heard before. That he has something to tell you that will have everything to do. I think in this case we know it has everything to do with his future. This is a moment. That Jesus is saying to Peter, listen up, this is going to be your reality as you grow in me. And so Jesus is saying that. He's letting him know, I have something to say. Because up to this point in the conversation, Jesus spent most of the time talking about Peter's life. And now the conversation changes. You see it change right here. He addresses Peter's death, his martyrdom. And the term used there, it's a term that you might not pull out right away, but I want you to look at it. It's just two words where it says stretch out. The word in the Greek is really one word, and that word is crucify, crucifixion. That was the word that was understood, that you will be stretched out. Your arms will be stretched out. Your feet will be stretched out. They'll be nailed to the cross that's what Jesus is saying to Peter right now. He's saying to him, you're going to die a death of crucifixion. This is the way your life is going to end in, on this earth. It's through crucifixion. In fact, Jesus is predicting Peter's death here. And, and how do we know this? Because you look at verse 19. Listen to what it says. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, he said, Follow me. Here's something else that I think is important for us to know. According to church history, specifically a historian named Eusebius, he is a very reliable source. It's not a biblical source, but it's an extra biblical source. He tells us how Peter died. He gives us detail. He tells us how he died and what he said upon his death. So when Peter came to that place of death, this was 30 years, 30 to 40 years after this conversation what happens is he says to those that were his executioners, he said, would you, you do me a favor? He goes, I'm not worthy of dying like my Lord. Would you turn me upside down on the cross? And so Peter was crucified and turned upside down. And not only was he crucified, but his wife was crucified next to him. And he said, this is the way that I want to honor and give God glory. That was the death. That he took upon himself. We see that in in church history. We see that and we know that that Eusebius gave us an accurate rendition of what took place. Some of us might think, well, is this good news? Really? This is encouraging? Why are you telling us this? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other ways to lift this up and not talk about resurrection. What's so good about this? I mean, why would this be so good to Peter? For Peter, this was very encouraging. It was encouraging for him to hear. And I want to tell you why it was encouraging. Because I think one of the reasons is Peter bragged before he came to his senses. Peter bragged and he said, "I will lay my life down for you." We know he denied him 3 times. Peter's hearing this and saying, "I'm sure to himself, I get a second chance. I get a second chance not to go off the rails. I get a second chance to be loyal." And faithful and true to Jesus Christ. That had to be something that buoyed him up. That had to be something that lifted him up. And what does Jesus do? He gives Peter a second chance and he lets Peter know that he would succeed. He's saying to Peter, You're going to make it. You're going to succeed. Jesus is saying to Peter, Next time when the heat's on, I mean, when really gets hot for you in life, circumstances are caving in, you won't fold. You won't fail. You're going to make it. You see, this is a prophetic word that Jesus gives to Peter. He says, your life will be victorious and you will give me honor and glory. Now, I think there's something else here, something encouraging about the words that Jesus speaks. And that's the words that come from the mouth of Jesus. Here he tells us that he won't die young. He's saying to Peter, you're not going to die young. Notice, he says, it's it's when you're older. When you're older, they're going to take you away. They're going to lead you to a place you don't want to go. So I think what's happening for Peter is he's going, oh, good, that's going to be a while. I don't know when that's going to be, but I'm not old yet. Peter was probably still in his late 20s, early 30s, so he's thinking, I'm I'm not old yet. Now, how do we know that he rested in the words of Jesus, knowing that he wouldn't be crucified until he was older? Well, you can go to the book of Acts. You go to chapter 12, and there's a situation there where James and Peter have been arrested. Herod has arrested them, and what does he do? He takes James, one of the sons of thunder, John's brother, and he beheads him. Peter's still in prison. He knows that one of his best buddies has been beheaded, and you know what it tells us? It tells us that Peter was chained between two guards, and he slept through the night. That you could not wake the guy up. That he was totally out. He was totally asleep. Listen. There are a lot of things that keep me up at night, and I'm so blessed that it's not that I'm going to die the next day. But can you imagine your head spinning if you thought you were going to die the next day or you thought you were going to die young? I don't think you would be snoring in the middle of the night. In fact, it says that an angel comes to him and gets him out, he still thinks he's asleep. I mean, Peter's kind of stumbling around. He's trying to figure out, am I in a vision? Is this a dream? What's happening? I'm tired. I was really sleeping well. You come along and wake me up. He doesn't even know it's an angel at first. You see, he was so at peace and so at rest knowing that God would fulfill his word. Jesus would fulfill his word to him. There was a promise given. You're not going to die until you're old. And so we see Peter leaning into that. Because again, 30 years, 30 or 40 years would go by until that would happen. History tells us that for decades Peter served Jesus without compromise. He knew that he would never deny the Lord again, and that had to bring him incredible encouragement. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever received like that prophetic word. Uh, that, that really gave you confidence, and I, I know that when, when I was young, there were people that were in my life that had that, they just had that gift, and they <clears throat> they did, it wasn't false hope that they gave me, but they 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 talked to me about doing what I'm doing now. They shared with me that there was a call in my life, and, and for those people that influenced my life, those that I, that I followed, those that were my mentors, to hear them say that brought all the encouragement in the world, and I'll tell you, those were the words that they have gotten me through very difficult times. That when you know you're personally called, and when you know you're called to a particular place, you can go through anything, and know you'll be okay. When we first came here 35 years ago, we really believed the Lord had called us here for the rest of our life. We we, we really believed that this was the place, the first, last, only church that we would ever pastor. Now. That's 35 years ago. 35 years ago, I sounded like a young punk rookie that didn't even know what he was talking about. But today, time has proven that to be true. You see, the words of the Lord are always yes and amen. What has he spoken to you? What has he said to you that brings encouragement? Maybe it was a passage of Scripture this morning in your devotional. Maybe it'll be something this afternoon. You just open up and you read God's Word. Maybe it'll be something someone says to you that'll make all the difference in the world and it really will affirm what the Holy Spirit is up up to in your own life. Just listen. Listen for what He has to say to you because He has some words that will bring encouragement to you. He really does. I want to do something right now and I just want to give you a a word. That's that's really what I, I feel like I want to do based on what I'm seeing here in Scripture. I know that for the last few years, Uh, A lot of different things have come out of the last few years. Some of those things, good things, some of those bad things. But one of those things that I've been burdened with, one of those things that has rest heavy on my heart, is looking around and seeing a larger number, a large number, in fact, of what I would just say are spiritual orphans. People who are wandering right now. People who are disillusioned. People who are, are disappointed, maybe even in their own life. They're just wandering. They, they're like a, an island on their own, and they, they, they don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to. And I, I know I've had several conversations with these folks over the last several months. So I know it's true. I know it's happening. And if that's true about your life, you, you need to know that there is encouragement, there is hope. Jesus wants you to belong, He wants you to be part of something that He's established, that He's built that you would be in community, that you would be at peace in your own heart. Now, I don't know all the reasons and decisions people make to wander. I do know this. Typically, my wandering isn't, isn't the, a result of something Jesus did. It's not a result of Jesus telling me I need to wander. It was a result of my choice to wander. It's a choice or decisions I made. And I'll leave it at that. I think there are choices people make to send them down paths that might not be that healthy. And from what I can see, a lot of what is being done and choices are being made, it's being made out of acrimony and not harmony. It's, it's, it's about more of what's not happening in their life or what's not happening around them as opposed to what is God doing in their life, and for what he is doing, being thankful for that, and saying, Lord, I want to embrace what you're doing. I want to live with a heart of gratitude. I want to live in a relationship that honors you, and I want to be focused on you. Not all the other things going on around me, but I want to be focused on you. I know that when we are living a life that's always against something, there's an unsettledness about us. I've asked a few of these people a question, a few questions. Are you better off now than you were then? Typically, the answer is no. Do you have more peace now than you did back then? No. Then what I would say, then then you're not following the way of Jesus. Because the way of Jesus will bring peace, even during very difficult times. The way of Jesus will bring peace and confidence in your relationship with him. And that we want to grow and be fruitful. I think those are good questions for all of us to ask ourselves now. I think it's a good way to take personal inventory and say, Lord, today in my spirit have I grown or have I wandered? I know there have been times where we feel tempted to wander, to go about our own thing because the world just seems to be upside down. It seems to be a mess, but that will never have good spiritual results. What we say, Lord, is we're going to commit to you like Peter did through thick and thin, I know I'm called By you, And friends, that call has everything to do with Jesus, but it also has everything to do with the relationships around you. Are you called to those relationships? Has God given you a purpose in the relationships that you're in right now? Your marriage, your family, your church. You see, one thing that's so sacred to Annette and I is that we know for sure that 35 years ago we were called to this place. And I have to tell you, the call of God is the only thing that will give you real, true purpose in life. The call of God will be the only thing that allows you to weather through difficult times and come up stronger on the other side. It is the call of God on your life. Are you called here? Now listen, I'm not going to recruit for the church right now, but I am going to recruit for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God needs you, but you need the kingdom. The kingdom of God has you serving, but you need to submit to that. There's a submission. There's a, a, a servitude that comes with that. That's what Peter understood. He submitted to the voice and will of Jesus Christ in his life, and that made the difference in his life. See, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's people out there. There's a church out there. There's, there's a place that God has for you to follow Jesus. It might not be here. I, I, it might not be in this place. It might be somewhere, but you have to find that. You really do. Just be clear about the call of God. Of course, we want everyone. I think this is the best church in the world, by the way. Just do. But, but, there's a call. And you know, I've done this. If you've been around a while, I'll go every few years and look you in the eyes and say, are you called here? Is this where you're supposed to be? If you are, then I know there's purpose. I know it. I've seen it. I've lived it out in my own life. And here's the truth. When you come to Jesus in love and you're honest about that love, he will give you the strength and the power to serve him with all your mind, your soul, your spirit. That's what Peter did. And that's what Jesus did for Peter. Be a good steward of what God has given you. Your talents, your gifts, your ability to serve. Be a good student. Be a good steward. Don't sit on them. (laughs) Give them away. Do you know what happens when I take the resources God has given me, you know, the blessings of the Lord, and I hold them for myself? I keep them to myself. You know what happens? I call it spiritual dry rot. (laughs) What happens, I start to dry rot from the inside out. Why? Because I'm not letting the flow of blessing work through me to you. That's my demise. That will kill me. And so I take and I hope I take what's been given to me and I give it to you. Not in a perfect way, but at least there's effort there. At least there's a trying. There's a, there's a stepping forward. You know, I know this and I know this about pastoring. I know this about preaching. People make judgment about my life as a pastor based on one half hour a week. That's if you come every Sunday. So let's, let's, let's go out a little further than that. Let's go about, well, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt once every other week. And those are the decisions people make. But what people often don't see about my life and others is most of my time is not spent here. Most of my time are in rooms where a loved one has passed away. Hospital, home, a baby's born. (laughs) I wish I could get to everybody. I really do. But I'm too old. But I know Jesus is there. Most of my time is spent celebrating life with you. And if you've never heard my vision before, I'll tell you what it is. My vision is to help you find your vision. That's my vision. What does that take? Yeah, it does include a half an hour every Sunday. But there's more, much more. You serve in community. You love people. You walk alongside. And for that, God gives grace and strength to your life. We see Peter doing this very same thing. He's walking with others in his community, and he's serving them. And here's the last thing I'm going to finish with. The last thought is follow Jesus always. Always follow Jesus. We've talked about loving him deeply, serving him without compromise. The last thing is that we follow him always. When you come to Jesus, you do something that isn't often talked about. And I'm going to say the word. And sometimes your flesh will cringe. The word is surrender. (laughs) Surrender your life. There's no other way to do this. This is not a workaround. (laughs) This is not a pass and go. This is not a workaround. This is total surrender to Jesus Christ. You follow him always. When you come to Jesus, you're saying, I surrender my control, my will, my ways to be controlled by you always. That's what I'm doing. Now, that's commitment. That's true commitment. I understand that fluctuates. I understand that comes and goes at times. I understand there's sometimes a great passion for that. But then there's times you're just having to put one foot in front of the other, and you're just going, God, help me get through the next 10 minutes. But it's a commitment. It's something you say, Lord, I have committed my life to you. The Great Commission says, go into all the world. Did you notice what it doesn't say? (laughs) It doesn't say, hey, in return. Jesus doesn't say that. He never says, oh, come back. No, he says, go, go, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples that make disciples. That is the Great Commission. And I love the Great Commission, and I don't want that to be outside of your vocabulary. I don't want that to be something that's secondary to who you are and your nature here as a local church. It is go in Jesus' name. And you can go in a lot of different ways because you're going to get up and go from here in a little bit. And you might be going to someone out in the lobby. You might be going to someone in the church. You might be going to someone at a store. But it's to go in Jesus' name. That's the great commission. Jesus didn't say go and come back. He just said go, go, go. How many have heard of the one-way missionaries? It was a group, uh, an affiliation of missionaries back in the 1800s. They had this renowned reputation. You know what they would do? When they heard the call of God to go, and wherever that was, they would buy a one-way steamship ticket. And you know what they'd pack their belongings in? A coffin. Because where they were going to go, they weren't going to come back from. And when they met at the docks, they would look their family and friends in the eyes, give them one last hug, one last kiss. They didn't have mobile phones back then. They didn't have even telegraphs. They didn't have that. They When they went, they went. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you this, one of my favorites. One of my favorites was Reverend Peter Milne from Scotland. He went to a place called Vanto, the uh, the, the, the South Asian area of 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 the globe and and, and and everyone that had gone before him ended up being cannibalized and, and he goes to this place and for whatever reason they didn't eat him and he stays there and he dies there fifty years later. The island had been converted into faith believers, followers of Jesus Christ, because he chose to go you know what's on his his headstone, and I still think if you went there, you could see it today. They wrote this. Before he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. That's our story. Wherever it is you go, make sure you bring the light of Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference in the world. Here's the bottom line. When a person settles the issue of death, (laughs) we're ready to live. And we can settle the issue of death because we know where we're going after this life. We're going to spend eternity in God's presence with him forever, settled. What does that do for me and what does that do for you? What did that do for Peter? (laughs) He lived a more courageous, faith-filled, bold life because he knew that he had settled the issue of death. He can now live like Jesus wanted him to live. See those words in verse 19, Follow me, follow me, and I'll finish with this. This is a trigger word to Peter. Follow me, Peter. You know how you have those trigger words, things you might smell and go back like 50 years? <clears throat> happened the other day. It really did. It happened to me the other day. <laughs> I'm, I, I hugged Annette, and I had this flashback to the first time I kissed her. And I went, wow, I like that. And I told her, I just had a flashback. Let's do that again. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I want to stay there. But there's things you do physically that your senses pick up that bring you back somewhere. Do you know that when Jesus said, follow me, what Peter had to think of? Because it was three years before Jesus looked at him and said, follow me. Jesus connects him. He restores him fully. He says, I'm going to say to you, Peter, what I said to you at the very beginning because... (laughs) I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It'll always be the same, follow me. Folks, if you're looking for a different answer when you come to Jesus, he doesn't have one. It'll be this, follow me. If you're looking for a workaround, he doesn't have one. He will say, follow me. That's how you change and that's how the world changes is because of the followers of Jesus Christ. He knew that, the same sand, the same place, the shores of Galilee, he heard it for the first time and now he hears Jesus say it again and he knows Jesus is calling him in to be a disciple of his, even in a deeper way. Peter fell, he denied Jesus. Jesus takes him right back to where he began and he says, follow me. That word right there is actually in the present tense. It doesn't mean follow me yesterday or follow me tomorrow. It means follow me continually continually. Right now, the moment you think of it is when you need to be following me. me. Peter, do do you want to be restored? Then follow me. Peter, do you want to have a fruitful life? Then follow me. Peter, all your dreams in life, whatever it is, follow me. Follow me. His words won't change. He will never change. He says to us today the same thing. Follow him. Follow me. Would you bow your head? Lord, we love you deeply today. We want to serve you without compromise. And we want to follow you always. Thank you for restoring our lives. Thank you for bringing healing and restoration to all of us who call in the name of the Lord. Father, for those that might be here and they're hearing these words and they haven't come to faith in you, would you, would you bring them to that place? Because what we do know is when we call on the name of Jesus, Will be embraced. When we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and all unrighteousness. Lord, your hands, arms are always open to us to bring us to yourself. Lord, I just pray that you bring people to faith today, those listening here in the room, those, Lord Jesus, that are listening um, on our social media platforms, Lord, wherever this word is being heard, let our hearts be convicted and receive you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for that. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Heal us today, Lord Jesus, if our bodies are broken. We know that you are able as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canby4square.com.